Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 297 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. Huge show following the Senators' 4-2 victory in Calgary against a Flames team they've now beat six times this season. Tons of storylines coming out of this game, too. Connor Brown can't stop scoring. He had a pair, including his third shorty, while the power play stayed streaking. They've now converted in five straight games. Matt Murray looks fixed, and should we be pushing Josh Norris for the Calder Trophy? All that plus, we're going to finish up with a little Sens trivia. Stay tuned for that. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, April 20th, and Pilsy, don't look now, but the Ottawa Senators have won three of their last four games. This team is streaking. Everyone's starting to click, and I think when you start to take a look at this roster, you're starting to see the pieces of a team that can do really well next season, and hey, it all starts with Brady Kachuk. I mean, he gets the first goal, and not only is he scoring goals, Ross, but he's out there battling the man of the night, Milan Lucic. Yeah, Pilsy, they had the 1,000th game ceremony for Milan Lucic prior to this one. But you think he was getting preferential treatment from Brady Kachuk? No thank you. He hammers him into the boards, follows him into the corner, hits him again. They go out front. Nice little battle. And then after the video cut out, we tweeted at Send Central. It seemed to be blowing up. Thanks, Meth. And he then afterwards follows him into the corner again, showing no fear. And then to put insult to injury, prior to that, he opens the scoring for Ottawa. I would love to know the stat, Pilsy. How many times Brady scores the Senators' first goal in a game? I feel like it's often the Winnipeg game, perfect example, a couple ago. They're down 2 nothing. Who gets them going? It's Brady Kachuk. He's the emotional heartbeat of this team. He's the physical leader. Just stitch the goddamn C on that jersey already. What are we waiting for? Yeah, that was another performance where it's just like, clearly this guy leads your team. And for him to go up against Lucic, and that's got to be a guy who's, you know, he's got some adrenaline, like his family's there, probably the first time his family's been in the building all season, Uh, you know, the big ceremony, thousand games. So he's probably got a little pep in his step and Brady's just knocking him down a peg or two. I can't believe they didn't fight in when they had that little battle in front of the net. That was as close as it gets. And I thought, hey, Lucic, uh, had a fight with Scott Sabrin in his official thousandth game but I thought maybe he would want to do one for the ceremonial one as well but uh, not tonight not last night it wasn't happening everyone was lauding as they should the performance of Brady Kachuk or willingness to take on Shea Weber if you're gonna go even a step higher like it's Milan Lucic Ryan Reeves and Zdeno Chair. I'd say are the only guys who you wouldn't want to tangle with more than Shea Weber but Brady showing absolutely no fear, but it wasn't just his hits or his tenacity. We love that about him, but he just controls this game. Everything about what he brings, especially it's magnified when they're playing against Calgary and Matthew Kachuk, who had a horrendous giveaway that will get to a game-costly 
giveaway. But this was one of the better Senators' performance, I thought, all season long. They got great goaltending. They were outshot by a little bit. But that's a good place to start. Goalie-friendly show. What has been the biggest difference for you in Matt Murray's game versus prior to the injury? I certainly think he seemed a little more confident, right? Like, he hasn't seemed as... uh... I don't know. Sometimes it just seems like he kind of just shrugs down in his net and he, he doesn't seem he's not strong and sturdy at times. And which I think it might be a mental thing. And maybe a new goaltending coach and Zach Burke st- switching up the routine, saying different things, having different drills, different kind of positive affirmations to work on. Who knows what they're what they're doing, but you can definitely see a good shift here. His last three games have been good games for Matt Murray. So I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. And this is, this is the kind of goaltending the Senators are going to need to rely on to continue to win games like they have been recently. Yeah, so 26 saves on the night, and I don't blame them on either of the goals. The first one was a, a partial breakaway, and it just snuck through him. And then the other goal he let in was deflected off Milan Lucic's shin pad. So what are you going to do there? A, a deflection off a screenshot from Michael Stone. Not Mark, his brother Michael. Uh, but that one made it 3-2 after. Let's roll through this game, though. We mentioned Brady with his 15th of the year. Elias Lindholm causing it to be tied after the first period. And it stayed that way throughout the second. There were a few kind of chintzy penalties. We don't talk about refs on this show, though. So while shorthanded, towards the end of the period, are we seeing an elite goal scorer develop in Connor Brown? We keep mentioning how Brady Kachuk contributes offensively. Well, hell, Connor Brown's first goal of the game tied him, and his second one, which we'll get to later, passed him for the team lead. Yeah, 16 goals on the season for Connor Brown. And I don't know if we're getting into elite goal scoring territory. That's <laughs> probably a bit of a hyperbolic statement from us, which I mean, uh, most of you guys are used to, that's for sure. But definitely, like, you're leading the team in scoring. He's a good goal scorer. Now that we've gotten past the whole breakaway debacle and he's just simplified his game here. And what I like best about that play is this is shorthanded. Like for you to be able to create a two-on-one while you're down a man, first off, it is incredible penalty penalty killing. The best kind of defense is a good offense sometimes, right? So he not only starts the two-on-one with the turnover, great stick in the lane at uh, the blue line, but he also gets the pass to Paul perfectly. And then he sticks with the play. He heads to the net and scoops up the garbage and gets the rebound. Like that's a great, goal for the Ottawa Senators or for Connor Brown and two guys Connor Brown and Nick Paul good for those guys chipping in offensively when they're really counted on as checking forwards so love to see those guys get some points on the board 10 goals in Connor Brown's last 11 games very impressive to say the least he had a nine game point streak was held off the board in that four nothing win in Montreal but he gets right back on it and doubles up with a two-goal performance, and that gave Ottawa the lead going into the third period, but that's not enough because when you get a shorthanded goal, that's great, but when your power play scored in fourth straight, you want to continue that streak as well, and that's exactly what they did. We tweeted out as well, Josh Norris should not move from that spot on the top power play unit for the next 10 years. He's found something there. We warned you guys when we were coming back and forth from Belleville last year that he knows how to put it upstairs High gloved. You hear them after the game too. That's something you don't often hear from a player where they're giving away their spots. He says, hey, high gloves working for me, so I'm going to keep putting it there. Hey, that's fine. When you got a shot like Josh Norris, 
let him know where you're shooting. It's and I don't want to get too crazy. I'm not comparing him to Ovechkin, but Ovechkin stands in that spot every single game, every single time, and he's you know it's going to Ovechkin. You know exactly what's happening, but he's still gonna beat you. And that's what I love about that Josh Norris play is that's just straight up my shot is going to get through you and I I'm confident in where I'm putting it. And I want to highlight, uh, of course, I want to highlight the assist here because Thomas Shabbat, he gets hit in the hands trying to stop a clearing attempt. He's visibly hurt. He's shaking his wrist. He heads to the bench on comes Eric Branstrom, who usually wouldn't be in a position to pass that puck over to Josh Norris. But Eric Branstrom does a good job of just a simple, nice slide over to Norris. He finds the open guy. It's right on a tee and boom. One-timer in the net for a power play. So you love to see that from Eric Branstrom showing that, hey, I can, I can do the, the power play as well. Whether it's first or second unit, I can make things click. So that's a big, big assist for Eric Branstrom in my eyes. Timmy Stutzla also drawing an assist. And this is where the game got impressive for me because they're playing a desperate Flames team that feels like they need to win out to have a chance at the playoffs despite Montreal tumbling away and allowing it easier for – Maybe Calgary, maybe Vancouver. Could it be Ottawa? Who knows? I think we do actually know the answer to that. But in these types of games, they're playing a desperate team who's down two goals. And then we mentioned off Lucic's shin pad. So it's 3-2. It's a one-goal game with half of a period left. And the Ottawa Senators, as young as they are, shut this game down. They didn't allow any grade-A scoring chances. I felt like they maintained possession for a good chunk of the time. How much can that go into the developmental curve for these young players? Oh, it's massive. And that that was one of the things I wanted to highlight is these young guys getting put in high leverage situations where you can either succeed or you can fail and they'll change the outcome of the game. Like these are the big moments that they need to be a part of. And they're getting those roles now. There's no longer the, oh, we don't want the young guys in these positions. You know, the veterans are used to this, blah, blah, blah. Been there, done that. Didn't work. Now we're seeing that this core, this crop of young prospects, they're, you know, I don't want to say they're ready, but they're preparing to be ready to be full-time NHLers. And they're looking good out there. Speaking of which, Shane Pinto, Another nice game for him. The face-off wasn't as effective this time, but still two for two in offensive zone draws. He had a couple good give, um, not giveaways. He had a couple good takeaways. He had a couple good clears on the penalty kill. Like all in all, for ten minutes and forty-eight seconds, this guy's still making an impact on the game as a young NHL player. So these are the kind of things you love to see. And I think sure losses are better at this point to try to increase your lottery odds for a good draft pick, but. I'd rather see the young guys succeed. And that just means the rebuild is working. We didn't want this to be another top three draft pick year for the Senators. We wanted to see some momentum being gained. And that's what's happening after the trade deadline, right when we wanted it, when these young guys are getting their chances. So this is going to roll nicely into next season. And I'm excited to watch every single game now. And I'm hoping they get W's. And everybody, all these young guys are starting to click. This is what we need for the end of this season. And Connor Brown showing such leadership out there, killing off the final two minutes. They pull the goalie in an interesting situation because they hadn't even cleared their own zone yet. And then take us through Matthew Kachuk. Oopsies, got to look out for the blue line. Matthew Kachuk is playing so frustrated. And like the, the grip he must have on his stick is like a vice grip. Like this is not Matthew Kachuk playing his style of hockey. He was robbed twice by Matt Murray. And, goalie friendly show but Matt Murray doesn't often make big 
rob saves right like that one that he made later on in the game the cross crease pass post where, to post yeah post to post Matt Murray doesn't often make that save if we're being honest and that's a, up against a 30 goal scorer who's used to putting that one in the net so he was frustrated that's for sure and just a terrible decision to try to cross through Connor Brown on the breakout with the goalie pulled I bet if you take a look Ross Connor Brown gets that turnover and takeaway at almost the exact same spot in the ice as his first goal and that leads to him scoring an empty net goal like that's just great hard work by Connor Brown and he gets rewarded for his second goal of the game to take the team lead with 16 this year yeah that's amazing as as impressive as that is his ability to hound pucks. He had a few takeaways in that game. He's second in the entire National Hockey League with 44 behind Jack Hughes, which uh, it was a little bit of a surprise oh. to see him at number one. Mark Stone, of course, there at number three. Drysaddle, Matthews, Crosby, Marner, Shifley, the next few. So that's pretty elite company, as is the fact that he's got 10 goals in his last 11 games. I'd hazard to say that's the most in the NHL over that span, but I cannot confirm or deny at this moment. Pilsy, we got to talk some Calder consideration. At the start of the year, it was Timmy Superstar full speed ahead. We've talked ad nauseum on this show about how he's the youngest player in the league, and it's time to temper expectations towards the end of a season where, yeah, he played pro last year, but he played, what, 40 games? This is the most hockey he's played in a single season. So it's not a surprise that maybe he's towards the end of the gas tank right now, coming off an injury to start, playing for Team Germany, all the excitement surrounding that. That's fine. But do we have a new Calder Trophy candidate emerging in Ottawa by the name of Josh Norris? I would love to pump the tires and say he he could have a chance to win this, but I just think uh, Kapril Kaprizov is uh, he's just far ahead of everybody. Right? Well, like, J- Jason Robertson might have something to say about that. I saw a stat, I think in the last uh, month, month and a half, he's got 10 points more than any other rookie. 27, while Kaprizov's still second with 17. Norris right there as well. Yeah, he really has done a, a big surge there. And that's a Dallas team that needed some somebody to step up because the injuries they had are just just crazy like they cannot keep up anymore so that's a nice injection of youth for them but I just don't see Josh Norris beating either of those two guys out but I want to still give him the proper stick taps because yeah first year in the NHL he's improved so much from the start of the season in the face-off draw he's got that shot on the power play he's a shoot first kind of guy like he, he has all the tools. If this is a year where Kaprizov isn't in the running, and uh, maybe we'll see the rookie age limit be changed here, but <laughs> this is a year where Josh Norris definitely would be a favorite. But he's top three in my eyes easily. I think that would be enough acumen, to, despite having such an amazing season that's really emerged recently. In his last 15 games, eight goals and six assists, and he's really helped turn that power play around in his spot four of those goal of those eight goals in the last 15 games credit Trevor Shackles for bringing that tweet up as well but just his full impact on the game can't be understated in this Canadian division I mentioned in yesterday's show he's probably the best center in last night's game and guess what he goes out makes me look good with the game winning goal so great game for Josh Norris as well he leads the Send Central standouts we'll get to a couple more of those we also have a fun trivia question To end off today's show, we've got the OHL making an announcement that nobody wants to hear. And we're going to touch on Patrick Marlowe passing Gordie Howe's record for most 
NHL games played. Incredibly impressive. Just like the capsule collection of diamond rings from 1010. This episode is brought to you by 1010. These are limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. These are rings that are sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a beautifully unique ring. Ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece, these are the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight, and it's priced fairly so you can give her something special and truly, I mean truly meaningful. I checked out these and I'm blown away by the beautiful simplicity from Lola Benhurst. If you're on the hunt for a perfect, unique ring that she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 1010 at BlueNile.com. And now a word from our friends over at RockAuto.com, guys. In this day and age, you got to support family businesses. you got to support online businesses. That's the best way to get your products to you. And Rock Auto is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. This isn't some new thing. They've just picked up their experts at this point. Two decades of experience. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Not just a couple, not the big names. Everything you could possibly need, you can get at Rock Auto from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. That's the key. You know the part you need, but finding it, that's half the battle. Rock Auto makes that easy. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Maybe you don't want those aftermarket parts. You want the real deal. You can get that. Maybe you're trying to save a little money in this economy and you can find those cheaper deals at rockauto.com. They got it all. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Those mechanics, you're getting the same deal as they're getting. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same auto parts? You wouldn't. Ross wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. We don't want you to do that. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right? Locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. That's rockauto.com. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Senators podcast wherever you download yours, whether it's Spotify, Google Play, or on Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us on all the social media channels as well, LockedOn.Senators on Instagram, and Send Central on Twitter. We're more active there, so feel free to reply on any of our tweets. We love interacting with you there, and please retweet the episodes when you see them. That goes a long way. You can also leave a review on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. Pilsy. We got some bad news we got to get out of the way. It sucks. It's the only major junior circuit in Canada that was not able to start up this year. And the OHL announcing today they are ending 
their potential return to play. So a lost season in the OHL. I'm just gutted for not only the kids, of course, and their development, but all the volunteers, all the part-time workers, all the passionate people who make the OHL what it is. Definitely, I'll echo your statement there. I think the biggest losses for these kids, like, man, imagine that your whole life growing up playing hockey, you're you're a high-end prospect. This is your draft year. You're all ready to go, and then this happens to you. I mean, it's it's nobody's fault, obviously, but it's just gut-wrenching for, for kids that are trying to live out their dreams here. And this is the year that's a pivotal one for their careers. Yeah, and you mentioned like the top end guys, that's one thing. But how about the guys who who just grinded to get like a walk on tryout and this was gonna be their year where hey, maybe they've been cut two or three times before and they're they're still grinding, they're still working, they're getting paid nothing, and they're still passionate enough and really putting their whole life into making these teams. And maybe they thought this was gonna be their year. So I'm absolutely gutted. I hope they can do something in terms of maybe extend the overage limit for next year for guys who would have been in their final year. I hope there's something. David Branch is going to be talking this afternoon, but it just sucks so much because even though the WHL had to do these bubbles and maybe that wasn't feasible in Ontario, although these the numbers of cases in, in the COVID world, everything's changing by the day, but at least the WHL was able to figure out a 24-game season. We've seen the Q have their ups and downs. They had their pod style and they've also been shut down and started up and there's no right or wrong way to do this but it's just so tough for these kids to not be able to live out potentially their their dream in the highest level of hockey that they might play so at least for the drafted prospects they've been able to play in the AHL in the meantime so they've got a portion of the kids playing but not even close to what what would have been an important season for these kids so Everything got turned up on its head. My major junior hockey is no different. We just hope that the league can come back stronger because there's a reason why. I believe, and this, again, could be wrong, but I think that it's the, the number one feeder system to the NHL. Like If you took all the NHL players, the most percentage-wise have come from the OHL. They do a fantastic job in developing talent. And, hey, the developmental staff, all that, they'll still be here. So I think that the OHL is going to come back stronger than ever. The OHL, that's a league where the fans are committed. Like, those are passionate fans. Like, go to a London Knights game on a Saturday night and see if you think the fans care about the team. Like, that that, that city revolves around that team. That's a big deal. I mean, Kitchener Rangers, a lot of these teams are are big parts of their city's, you know, lifestyle. So, I definitely think the OHL is going to come back in a big, big way. You mentioned those towns, Pilsy, but even in a city like Ottawa where they have an NHL team, the OHL, there's just something about it where it, it's the kids and the fact that my, uh, junior hockey, it's so unpredictable and the, the fans are so diehard and we just hope that, yeah, it can come back stronger. Funny enough, there's no Senators prospects right now who are OHLers. They have a couple signed to amateur tryouts and ultimately – getting a look at the pro level, like Curtis Douglas, uh, among a few others. But right now, there's no Senators who would be playing in the OHL. They've had their fair share in the past, like Logan Brown as well. He played his first game back with Belleville on Saturday. They're back tomorrow night in Laval. But after that, things are getting a little all over the place. Their next game had has already been postponed with the Toronto Marlies having a COVID situation. But it looks like They'll be back 
Friday and Saturday against those same Marlies. Do you think those games will happen? I sure hope so. And uh, yeah, as, as far as we know, it looks like they're going to happen. And man, I don't want Belleville to lose any steam here with three straight wins up against the Stockton Heat. And then that's a Laval Rocket team where the Montreal Canadiens have plucked a lot of talent from them and they're sitting on their taxi squad, not playing for the Montreal Canadiens, but <laughs> they're not, they're not in Laval. They're enjoying the Shane Pinto show when they can, but um, I, I don't want Belleville to have any sort of break here. Obviously safety and protocols, everything needs to be followed. That's first and foremost, but if everything's good to go, I hope they can play these games as soon as possible because I want to see Angus Cruikshank keep lighting it up. I want to see Igor Sokolov get uh, back on the, on the score sheet here. Like there's a lot of fun, exciting developments happening in Belleville. I want to see more of Lassie Thompson, Logan Brown. I, I didn't get to watch last game because it was at the same time as the Ottawa game. So I want to see what he's got this, uh, this season now that he's finally back on the ice. I think next year's Belleville team is going to be very exciting. Like it's going to be a big step up from this season. Do you think that Shane Pinto and or JBD play for Belleville next year? I doubt it. I don't think so. Like it, it doesn't really make much sense, right? What was very strange, though, in the intermission coverage, the analyst said that the Sens are continuing talks, maybe, with Derek Stepan. What kind of message would that send? I don't know what that's about. I, I would say, personally, obviously, I'm an outsider, so I don't really know. But I would say, there's, I would hope there's less than a 0% chance that Derek Stepan returns as an Ottawa senator for both parties. Like, I don't think he wants that. And Michael Haley? Like, these are the two UFAs they might bring back? And Anton Forsberg? Yeah, yeah. Well, Forsberg's not too surprising because we're quite sure they're going to lose a goalie in the expansion draft, right? So that one actually makes sense, and I'm in favor of that. And not only that, honestly, if they were to move on from Marcus Hogberg and say Anton Forsberg's the guy, I wouldn't be against it at this point. Yeah, and it's probably the right move because, like, with Matt Murray, we're not sure how consistent he's going to be. You want to have a guy, a stable veteran guy that can come in for a couple games and, and really straighten the ship there. So that's that's a guy I'm, I'm willing to keep around. And as far as Haley goes, I really thought he was going to be the tough guy down in Belleville this season. So that surprised me when he was a taxi squad guy. If he ends up being a fourth-line tough guy for Belleville, I mean – For Belleville. Yeah, for Belleville. I don't really want that, but I think it's a good idea to have at least one intimidating enforcer out there just because that team is full of kids. Like, the, the average age on Belleville has got to be under 24 for easily. It might even be under 23. So, like, they need, uh, they need some old man strength in that lineup to keep things safe. Yeah, the final note from that segment that I want to touch on is Lassie Thompson might get a game or two at the end of the year. Don't they already have JBD with the NHL team, right shot defenseman? For me, JBD is the guy I want to get games this year. Lassie can wait until next year. Yeah, I have zero uh, expectations that Lassie Thompson will get an NHL game this year. Like, if he was absolutely lighting it up in the AHL and you're starting to think, okay, maybe this kid's too good for the AHL, then sure, give him a taste. But he is not at that level, that's for sure. Anyways, yeah, maybe just a slow night for uh, insider news, and uh, he just wanted to ruffle some feathers because those would be a couple of egregious mistakes if they bring back Derek Stepan and Michael Haley to play an NHL. Doubling down on your mistakes, that's never good. That's selling low and buying high, as, uh, as the old saying goes. And what we want you to do is bet low and make high, and that's why we're about to get to Pilsy's parlay of the day. But first, let's tell you why you should be wagering with bet online responsibly of course but right now 
is one of my favorite times of year because NHL stretch is coming down. The games, even though they're still regular season, there's that extra bit of importance when playoff positioning and or spots are on the line. So there's tons of great games to wager on. The NBA is coming in to playoffs as well. Hell, baseball is even underway. If you want a little afternoon action at betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the one place that has you covered, the only place that we trust here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can sign up today for a free account. Just go to BetOnline.ag. And because you're a listener of the Locked On Senators podcast, you're entitled to a 50% welcome bonus. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON. So when you're in your first deposit screen, put in LOCKEDON as the promo code and 50% of whatever you deposit will automatically be added to your account. It's free play money, of course. You have to win it to earn it, and that's where we turn it over to today's Pillsy's Parlay of the Day. Well, Ross, Monday started off great. It was just a two-team parlay, minor win, just a $15 win on a $10 bet. But, hey, you got to make those little ones to make the big ones. So now that we got a little boost there, I'm going to try to make a little bit of a bigger one here. So let's get it started. Boston Bruins at Buffalo Sabres. Now, I've been saying the last couple times Buffalo Sabres are the free spot on the bingo card. That is not the case anymore. I think new coach in here, they shipped out all the angry, disgruntled veterans. Now the young guys are the young guys are playing for their jobs now. Dustin Tokarski is looking pretty solid in net for them randomly. So I think it's not a, a free spot on the bingo card, but I still think these Boston Bruins are – they're rolling here, and they've got something to prove. So I'm taking their money line at minus 285. Then Florida Panthers up against Columbus. That worked well for us last time. So I'm taking their money line at minus 203. Sam Bennett looking pretty good playing with Anthony Duclair and uh, Alexander Barkov. So that is not uh, a line combo we would have imagined at the start of this season. Now, the Battle of New York. I'm taking the New York Islanders. This is going to be a close game, so this is my risky decision to try to boost this parlay. I'm taking their money line at minus 124. I like those odds. Then, finally, Pittsburgh Penguins up against the New Jersey Devils. Money line, minus 250. Basically, I took some heavy favorites here and then mixed in a close one with the New York battle. So, to conclude, guys, we're taking Boston Bruins money line, Florida Panthers money line, Pittsburgh Penguins money line, and New York Islanders money line. Put 10 bucks into that parlay and you're going to win $40.99. Guys, that is Pillsy's parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and don't forget the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. All right, Pillsy, our crack research team has checked it out. I mentioned Connor Brown, probably the most goals in that span where he's got 10 in his last 11 games. Well, he's tied for third, although he has played the least amount of games in that stretch. Austin Matthews with 12 and 12. Brad Marchand with 11 and 13. And then Connor Brown's tied with some guy you might have heard of him for scoring goals. Alexander Ovechkin has 10 as well, but in 15 games. So <laughs> you think Connor Brown needs those extra games? Nuh-uh. Uh, Mika Zibanejad right behind him. Happy belated to the Sens abroad, Mika Zibanejad. If you haven't been following us since last playoffs in the pod, what we like to do once the Sens are eliminated, so we're still going to be your daily home for the Ottawa Senators, but we follow our Sens abroad ever so closely. We've got the scoring leaders and all that, so stay tuned for a fun segment 
once the Sens are done playing, the Sens abroad continue, and we'll put out wondering, who do you want most to win the Stanley Cup come playoff time? So all that to look forward to. Hey, Pilsy, we got to give some respect out to the guys at TSN 1200. We've had them both on the show, Gord Wilson, Dean Brown, both awesome guys. Actually, they're both friends of the show. They've been on as recurring guests with us. And I want to play, this is coming back from first intermission last night, a little shout-out from the legendary Dean Brown. A piece, uh, only one power play uh, on, in that first period, and it went to the Ottawa Senators. They had one shot on goal, but 0-for-1 with the man advantage. So you know that stat that I spat out at the time that I got wrong? Power play stat? I, uh, I said they were second. Actually, they were seventh best. This, Ottawa has the seventh best power play since April the 1st in the NHL. Impressive, though. Yeah, I was just uh, cruising through on Twitter, locked on send sometimes. Yeah. Throws out some good stats. I go, well, that's a dandy. I'm stealing that one. So thanks, yeah. locked on. You're welcome to steal our stats anytime, Dean Brown, and we're already looking forward to your next visit on the show. Pretty cool to get a shout-out from the legendary duo. Oh, yeah, those those guys are the best. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, we got a little shout-out there. And, hey, that uh, Brady Kachuk tweet also did pretty well on Twitter, right? Well, yeah, thanks to Merck Mathon. We're going to get meth on the show eventually here. With the We've had people asking for some crossover episodes with Wally and Mathod and ourselves. Brett Wallace joined us right before the launch of that show, and we had a great conversation with him. Whenever there's Dominic Hasek stories in an interview – we know it's going to be a good one. But we're, we're going to do that probably once the send season wraps up. We even had a thought, maybe even getting Ian Mendez, Brent Wallace, and Mark Mathot for the same show because we're kind of the fan's voice, we like to think, or at least the fan's perspective. Then you have Ian Mendez, who's been in writing and radio. Brent Wallace has been in TV. And then Mark Mathot is the player. So I think it'd be a great roundtable discussion of all the different perspectives of covering the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, we would love to do that. that that's for sure. If uh, we can get that going, we're going to make it happen. And yeah, I think that's an off-season thing because that's that's the kind of show where we're going to get into a lot of debates and different discussions. So we'll, we'll save that for the off-season, but it is in the works. We'll say that for now. Definitely. So stay tuned. It's the number one source daily for your Ottawa Senators. We, uh, we've been really thrilled with the growth of not only our show, but the Ottawa Senators themselves. And if you've been listening to the show, just know that in a year or two, you're just going to have that extra appreciation when we're talking about win after win after win, because you ran through the mud to be able to run through what will hopefully be fields with full of grass and trees and statues, and hopefully a few playoff round wins, which the team in Ontario that seems to be through their rebuild still hasn't been able to accomplish. So tons of great stuff coming up here on Locked On Senators. We'd be remiss as a hockey show not to talk when history is made. Now, Patrick Marlowe last night played in NHL game number 1,768. I'm exhausted just saying that. What could you even imagine going through that many games as a professional? It's, I'm even speechless. Like, I don't know how, like, he was drafted in 1997. And well, he's funny still enough, going. so was Joe Thornton, but yeah. it just speaks to how Patrick Marlowe just doesn't miss games. Yeah, like, I'm looking at his uh, game logs here. Like, the, the least amount of games, he, he's got 82s all over the board here. Like, that is just incredible. And then, Keep in mind, the San Jose Sharks have made the playoffs almost every single season that Patrick Marlowe has been a part of the team. So the miles on this guy's legs is, it's uncomparable. Like this is, this is the kind of record that will never be broken. 
Yeah, Pilsy, Yermer Yager's the only guy on this list where you're just like, oh, what could have been if he didn't leave for the KHL during the prime of his career? But that doesn't take away anything from Patrick Marlowe's accomplishments. And neither does the fact that he's still he's only playing in a fourth-line role. Four goals, four assists this year. People were saying the same about Gordie Howe, saying at the end of his career, he was just hanging on to be able to play with his sons, with Hartford at the end after such a storied time in Detroit. I don't buy any of that. Now, it's almost similar. We'll have a sense point of view on this and a comparison. But for me, what Patrick Marlowe's accomplishment, you know what Patrick Marlowe almost was an Ottawa senator, by the way? Well, I did not know that. No, 2008. Uh, Wade Redden uh, wouldn't waive his no trade to go to San Jose. The trade was done. Wow. That, what a, that would have changed the course of history, that trade. Holy. Yeah, he ended up signing with the Rangers as a free agent and, and left <laughs> for free. But uh, yeah, and made two, millions up in Connecticut. Yeah, I know. But it's so impressive getting back to Patrick Marlowe. Like he's played 124 regular season games just against the LA Kings. Like a lot of guys would be lucky to get that many NHL games, period. Now against the Ottawa Senators, 33 games, 22 points and a dash nine. But do you see a comparison between Patrick Marlowe, maybe not stumbling, but limping past this this finish line versus Chris Phillips playing one game extra to set the Senators franchise record and then retiring? I don't want to take away anything from either of those guys because both are impressive. And, and yes, are, are they at the primes of their career and are they, were they still top contributors at that point? No. But, like, sticking with Patrick Marlowe, for this guy to wake up every morning and go to practice, go to games, do his training, probably – I mean, this is a guy that probably gets a lot of work done on his body before games. Like, for him to go through the grind of the NHL for that long, I don't care how he's contributing on the ice. Like, that's it's amazing that a guy his age can keep doing it, especially in pandemic times. doesn't make it, things any easier, that's for sure. So last year, the lockout shortened season, so he played 66 games, and he may have missed one or two. I know he got traded there uh, from San Jose to Pittsburgh at the deadline, so... Maybe, maybe that was all he was available to play. But if you go before that, it was 2008-2009 when he last missed a game. He played 82s all across except for the lockout shortened year where he played all 48. So didn't miss a game from 2009 until 2019. It's just an incredible accomplishment. Right now, his Ironman streak, and now that I'm finding he still has one, means he didn't miss any games last year so that goes he's two games behind Keith Yandel on this Ironman streak and wow. over 900 consecutive games played for Patrick Marlowe it's truly a remarkable accomplishment and it deserves stick taps from us here on Locked On Senators all right the ultimate stick tap so Ross is he a hall of famer for this achievement no Ooh, I'm the other way I think yes because not only did he break that record that probably will never be broken but also Sure, he didn't win a Stanley Cup, but like I said, he was a part of the playoffs almost every single year. Um, Alfredson you know, goes in before Marlowe, in my opinion. Yeah, okay, okay, I'll give you that. Yes, I'll give you that. I mean, that that needs to happen for sure. But I really do think Patrick Marlowe is a Hall of Famer because of this this accomplishment, like the outpour of appreciation and you know congratulations from around the league was very clear like ask the players what they think about Patrick Marlowe breaking that record and I guarantee you you won't have a single guy that downplays what that means 
You know what's amazing? If the Leafs had made it out of round one in either of his two years there, he would be over 200 playoff games. But he's at 195 right now, which is still an enormous number. Pilsy, as we're in the history books right now, kind of reminiscing, why don't we end off today's show with a little trivia? Because we put up at Send Central just asking, what could we do to make LOSP even better? We're here every day. So if you're listening, which we appreciate to no end, why wouldn't we allow you, the listener, to have your say in what we can do to make the show better. And we had a great suggestion to do a little trivia. So from now on, every Tuesday, we're going to end off our show with a trivia question, a Sens-related trivia question. And we will allow that to breathe overnight. And on Wednesdays, we will unveil the answer. You can tweet us at Sens Central and let us know what you think the answer is to this question. Put hashtag LOSP and then tag us at Sens Central and put out the answers. No prizes just yet, but should the budget allow it, we could potentially get that in the works for later. So, Pilsy, why don't you take us through today's trivia question? Who are the three Ottawa Senators with more than 100 career goals scored on home ice? There's some, uh, there's some obvious answers, and then there's a little tricky one there. So the answer will be at the end of tomorrow's show. See if you can get it without looking it up, guys. See if you can make your guesses, and then on Wednesday we'll reveal the answers and we'll see who got close. But this is something that uh, Ross, this is definitely Ross's department as the official Ottawa Senators encyclopedia of the (laughs) podcast. Uh, He's going to be the ones making the questions, and he probably already knows the answers to all of them anyway. So see if you guys can outsmart the encyclopedia Ross Levitate. There's, of course, an obvious one, but I don't think many are going to get all three. So that is, who are the three Senators with more than 100 career goals scored on home ice? Great way to end today's show. A little pondering to do. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.